It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Wow, that was a great two hours, Anthony Weiner. You mixed it up. You gave really good information, especially about the uh, special prosecutor. I remember because I was the one who announced it, the Rip and Read on 12. And obviously, I'm not following this as intently as everybody else because I couldn't give a flying flip to talk about <laughs> Trump or Biden or Hunter Biden. I'd rather impale myself with the uh, microphone. But I remember I had to announce that the Attorney General Garland uh, was uh, re-upping uh, his uh, prosecutor from uh, Delaware, special counsel, special prosecutor, and right away with Greg Kelly. Oh, well, Section 29, 8754321, hut, 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 hut. It's like, who the hell even knows what the hell that is? All day long, that's all they said. It's impossible, it can't be. And you settled it real quick. You said, look at Connecticut. Look at the, the walrus. I call them the walrus. And you're exactly right. The special counsel was appointed who was a U.S. attorney in Connecticut. It happens. I mean, it's – look, my thing about it, and I talk a little bit, is that there is a professional phoniness class that, like, if ever there's so much hypocrisy going around, we can say it about our own team and say, look, there's a little hypocrisy going on here. They invested this guy for five years. I'm kind of you, – you know what, what I'm not sure of, and you might be a better barometer than most people – I can't tell if people really care about this Hunter Biden stuff because our lines blow up. People love it. And then I run into people on the street who no, no, no one they ever says. Care. They ask about the migrants. They ask about that's taxes. Right. They that's ask about people, crime. That's what people – They never mention this. And I think that sometimes there's the danger of us getting into a little bit of an echo chamber here around these – you know, no, no, you know, no, no one ever says woke to me. No one ever says like it's woke this or woke – no one ever uses no. that word in real life. And by the way – what everybody regurgitates are talking points of the right or the left. Right. They don't have a creative new idea. They get a flash, right, on their cell phone, iPhone, and then they repeat it word for word for the next 24 hours. So if I'm watching MSNBC, they're parrots. If I'm listening to WABC, they're parrots. That's why I don't engage in that kind of talk. All I did yesterday was breaking news. I spoke with uh, Flippin' about it. Uh, I asked a few questions. It really hadn't been clarified yet. And the moment Greg Kelly came on, Section 2934, hut, 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 <laughs> it's impossible. You can't have a special counsel. And I was scratching my head because I'm not a cognizante. I'm saying, of course you can. I didn't, I, I didn't know it as well as you did. But I said, we've had lots of special counsels yeah. who were U.S. attorneys. You know, the idea is supposed to be it's outside the Justice Department. I get that. Really, this guy was outside the department because Biden came in and then he let him kind of stay in the job because he was a prosecuting his son. It's not perfect. People can say, well, look, all people care about is the outcome. 
And I'm just saying, let's have a little a little support for this process. It's not perfect, but let's let these prosecutors do their process. And it took five years for this Biden thing. You want the, someone to start fresh and like do it again? Anyway, and he's a Biden. He's a, a Trump appointee. But, but also, I think know. the fact is, if you're on the Trump part of the argument, you got to be happy that there was no plea bargain put through. Oh, yeah. That there is no immunity to future indiscretions or things that may surface in the future about well, Hunter Biden. Well, that was the big the big question about the plea bargain is every every people wrote a line in the plea bargain. Usually, plea bargains you have. Well, that means the end. We're done investigating. Here's right. what we've come up with. Right. But there was this question that came up. Well, what if new stuff comes out? And I hadn't really thought about that. Well, yeah, new stuff comes out. You can be charged with other crimes. But in this case, what is it that they looked at? Five and a half years. It couldn't have just been two years worth of taxes that he didn't pay and a gun application. There had to be stuff that they looked at. Of course. And they decided not to prosecute. So that's why it became. And now this is bad news. Look, think what you will about this process. You have a U.S. attorney. I mean, an attorney general who's a Democrat appointed by Joe Biden, who appointed a special prosecutor for his boss on the documents case, a special prosecutor for his son in this wide ranging thing. Maybe the thing's not on the level. I don't know. But if well, I'm a, if you know, I, I think I, if you're gruesome, newsome in California, you're warming up in the bullpen. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're warming up. You, you're getting your, exactly. your your brew cream, a little dabble, do you? You're thinking, maybe I'll go to that soapbox in Iowa, yeah. go to a fish fry in South Carolina. You just, you know, be seen. Have a few more interviews with Hannity. Show that I can, I can cross over the Maginot line. But anyway, the reason we played this song coming in, it was absolutely incredible. As you were broadcasting and talking to all these listeners who were engaging you in a very fascinating back and forth, a deluge took place outside. I mean, it was Krakatoa east of Java. The heavens opened up, and it was a downpour. Nancy came and brought me my care package because I've been going 48 straight hours. We'll talk about it in a little while. I was at the rally in Staten Island. I think we had as many people as you had uh, in the uh, Ferry Hawk station for Banana Rama or whatever they called that last night. I know it was packed. And then I went out to Astoria Projects, Family Day in the hood. Uh, I'll give you an update on all that. But outside, Nancy comes running up. She goes, oh, my God, there's an elderly woman. She's in a foyer leading into the building. She's drenched from the rain. She is the classic look of an elderly person who's homeless. She had the carriage with all the personal items. Uh, the clothes were worn, but you could tell at one time she lived here in the Upper East Side, you know, very schooled, very cultured, uh, originally from Finland. Uh, her name was Irma, down on her luck, no way to live. Hmm. No way to live. So my, she just got caught in the rain and took refuge in your lobby? Caught in the rain. The lobby downstairs in our building uh-huh. here at WABC. Nancy is like sobbing, crying. I said, no, no, look, I'm going to give her my towel. I have a special towel I keep here. It keeps me warm. At times I get the shivers. I gave her that. Oh, she was like in seventh heaven. We took her information. We're going to try to get a house. But this is the kind of things we see in our city every day. People you expect to be homeless, you know, who obviously have emotionally disturbed issues or they don't seem like they can socialize. They have severe problems, have schizophrenic, bipolar, all these kind of issues. They need to be in a medical health care clinic. This woman didn't need any of that. She needed a place to live. Right. She could have been anybody's grandmother out there here on the Upper East Side. She might have been five years ago at a cocktail party. She might have been hosting a dinner. Uh, I got from her the conversation that she was attached to the embassy from Finland. Uh, her husband... Uh, 
was one of these big muckety mucks. And then he died tragically. And you know what sometimes happens in that kind of a relationship when you're very close. Your whole life just you lose your begins yeah. mm-hmm. to fall into the abyss. Uh, my my wife just could not stop crying because uh, I see it so many times a day, whether they're black or white or Hispanic, Asian, especially when they're older. You have to stop. You just you can't. And people are just walking by. When whenever it puts, whenever we see someone that puts a human face on these numbers, it becomes a thing. And that's what a lot of people look. There was a there was a three year old migrant, a three year old migrant that died on the bus yesterday. Yeah, on one of these buses going to Chicago. I think they don't know why. They don't know the circumstances. Whatever it is. I mean, you got to keep in mind that yes, that that woman, she she was a victim of whatever circumstances, whatever mental illness, whatever things. But we have like thousands of people that come. Every one of them is a human being. Every one of them is a fellow human soul. It's like not, and we should keep that in mind because sometimes you hear these conversations about these people that are that's a dehumanizing thing. You know, it's just numbers, thousands of this and thousands of that, and they, 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 they. You you know, this person might have not gotten off a bus from Nicaragua, but. Every one of those people that did also represents a person and what represents dignity, uh, the, the dignity of life. But it's just that we become so callous, so indifferent. Yep. We just walk by. There's nothing we can do. Don't want to look at it. Don't want to get personally and emotionally attached. But in this particular case, when you looked at Irma, originally from Finland, and you realize we're in the Upper East Side here, a lot of wealthy, well-to-do people, especially people who are part of consulates, embassies, whose husbands or wives were assigned here or family members. And when she described how close she was to her husband and when he died unexpectedly, how her life just began. Yeah. It was like a, uh, almost like a, the, the cyclone, you know, the, the, the roller coaster ride. And you see her and she is like, she's one step away from, from walking right into the grave. I, I can easily see her. I've seen so much of this. Walking out into the middle of the street, she's she's cognizant. She's very cogent. But I could see her just walking into the middle of the street at night and a truck or a car smashes yeah. into her and kills her. I saw that one time in the early morning here, and I felt powerless. A woman walked out into the street, an elderly woman, a homeless woman. And I remember I had had a conversation with her the day before. I got her a cup of coffee. She was lucid. She committed suicide in order to escape this world. And then when I went to touch her after she had been hit by the car, the poor woman in the car was hysterical. But I realized she threw herself into the car. This woman will never be the same, the driver. And she was like Gumby. Every bone in her body must have been broken. But she had a broken soul first before she had a broken body. And I tell you, that's a couple of things. And it doesn't take much... You know, when you see couples like this, that when usually it's the the husband that dies first, the yeah. women tend to live a little longer, and so much of their life is oriented around the two of them as a unit that it doesn't take much for them to slip. And they're older anyway, and they might be starting to lose their mental faculties anyway. They become disoriented, kind of in a literal sense. They lose their orientation for where they where their place is on the earth, and we and we we see a lot. Look, it is in in some ways. I mean, the problem is mental illness we've never really known, whatever, wherever it is on the continuum, anywhere from schizophrenia to addiction to someone like Irma, who is okay if she had a warm place to sleep and a sound meal, then maybe she'd be okay. We don't, we haven't figured out what to do with those people. 
We haven't figured out how to manage this problem. We went through this thing in the 70s where we realized we were just warehousing them all. So we threw them out of the warehouses, never really figured out how to find smaller community things. Whenever we try to open a smaller community facility, the community went bonkers. I don't want that on my block. And here we are post-COVID with that happening again, where we just dumped a lot of people who had mental health issues out on the streets, and now we're wondering why we have these problems. And then on top of it, a whole bunch of people who speak a different language, who come from different places, who are like supplanting them. And you just, you, you, I mean, you, you just came from Richmond County where they're having this exact problem, right? They're yeah, having well, one group of. Uh, before we talk about that, we'll do that in the next segment. I want to tell you that uh, we've organized these protests at Creedmoor, which is a New York right. State psychiatric facility. Uh, Section 40, everyone is in lockdown. They are violent. They are a danger to themselves, everyone else. But they have what are called like bungalows or smaller units where the patients are free to come in and off the property. There's no security. I was stunned. So we're organizing a demonstration later that night for the migrants. They're going to move in there. We'll get to that momentarily. And a guy just walks right across the street, almost gets hit. It's this hillside avenue. It's busy. Walks right towards me. Recognizes me, you know, because the Red Beret. Right. And starts talking about how he's a patient at Creedmoor. He's in a certain ward. And I filmed it, and it's up. You can see it on uh, uh, the, my personal uh, page because, you know, here at WABC, if you don't sign, you know, release and 52 documents, they're not going to put you on, which I understand. But I put everything on. And you listen to this guy tell the story. Medication. He's under psychiatric care. He looks totally bugged out. You say, why is this guy walking off the campus? He's going to be a danger to himself, right. anyone else. He almost got hit by three trucks. Is that because they're not legally confined in, in the legal sense that well, they're allowed to? They are, but everything is breaking down. Only yeah. 30% of the beds in Creedmoor are occupied. There are whole wards there that are empty. Now, when Andrew Cuomo was first elected governor, there were 30,000 beds in state facilities put aside for people with psychiatric problems. By the time he left office, there were only 3,000. That's 27,000 beds. You look at how many people are roaming around New York or living in the subways or in the parks who are in need of that kind of care, and you start adding it up, and you start saying, gee, if they could be hospitalized, given medication, given therapy, normalized, how much better the system would be. But one hand does not deal with the other. That's a state facility. The city is not coordinating with the state. The state is not coordinating with the city. And this guy comes up to me, and he's like bugging out. Yeah, but but and you see this also in the subways. You know, the mayor rolled out, it's almost a year ago now, this big proposal that he's going to have people going out trying to get homeless people to come in to get services. And now I think Brad Landers, someone put out a study, said like, well, a grand total of one person has done it. So many of these people are staying on the street and not getting any kind of care because the places we're providing care are even worse than the places that they are. But also there are rules in these places. You cannot use alcohol. You cannot have drugs. You have to come and go at certain hours, you told us, right? Curfew is at 10 at night or you lose your bed. But in reality, if you're self-medicating, if you're drinking, if you're taking drugs, you're not going to go to a shelter because in some of them you get searched. Right. And if they find the drugs or they find weapons on you, they kick you out. Also, very often you can't take in all of your junk with you you gotta you gotta part with that oh yeah so if you have your wagon filled with all your items and i can identify because i'm a clutterer i i'm like one step yeah. away from being one of them 
You try to sep- separate me. Go ahead, Kevin Jones, from my newspaper collection. It's like a war. Yeah, we've we've seen Studio B. We've seen what it looks like. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I know what that cluttering, uh, it's a disease. Uh, my father had it. His brothers had it. Uh, my grandfather, Anton, in Chicago, when I went out to Lockport, which was the farm, they had the subdivisions. I walked in. First time I ever met my grandfather. I was like five years old. We walked into the uh, basement area, which was his shop. It was filled with clutter. I said, no wonder my father is just like his father, which I knew right then and at five, I would probably be the yeah. same way. And that's why I don't bring but it. But I bet you that's like at least half the problem is that they say if you want to come in and get care, you're leaving all your stuff behind and where your oh, sanitation absolutely. pick oh, it up. It, it, like it, you, I mean, I don't know. Like I'm sure a lot of the obvious things have been asked about, have been suggested, but if they had just some kind of place you can just park your stuff while you go get get a meal, get a, get a checkup, absolutely. whatever it is, just to get off the streets. That, that's like separating yourself from your arm. You're yeah. like, I know, I feel that way. You take my newspapers. Can I say I have postpartum depression? I mean, I realize it's, it's, I, not, it's not a baby, but I feel like that. <laughs> I, you know, in the old WABC was so bad, a stack of my papers, like the Collier's brothers, collapsed on an intern and almost killed them. They brought in a clutter specialist. See, something, something happened recently because you used to be all cluttered in there, yes. and then overnight, someone must have sent out a memo. OSHA must have come in. And yeah, said, this no, is they insane. say you got to get rid of it, and it, it, I, I was trembling in getting rid of each paper. Some of these papers, five years old. And I won't let it go because I haven't finished reading it. Yeah. They'll say to me, you're never going to read that. I say, I know where I stopped reading that newspaper. No, but it's funny. I, I think I told you about this. The New Yorker, I think it was Talk of Town, like 10, 15 years ago, did a story that I remember so vividly. I have to go look it up because I mentioned it a few times to people. A guy who would read the New York Times when it used to be four sections, the New York Times, cover to cover. And he was like that. He had piles. He, he was like eight years behind. Yes. Like because he just had to yeah. catch up with all of these That's newspapers. That's me. That's yeah. me. I mean, even the penny saver. If I don't make it through yeah. the penny saver, I'm like, I'm trembling. But when we come back, I was so proud yesterday uh, on the Rip and Read, 12 to 1, Monday through Fridays. I conducted a graduation ceremony for you, Anthony Weiner, and for your colleague, our colleague, Dominic Carter. I mean, look, uh, I never graduated any school. <laughs> we never had a moving on up ceremony. The Jesuits kicked me out of high school at Brooklyn Prep, kicked me to the curb. I never looked back. But I was so proud as professor of talk radio to graduate the fastest growing talk radio show host in terms of listenership at WABC. And it ain't Sid, it ain't me, the veterans. It's actually, you look at the analytics, it's our own Anthony Weiner here and Dominic Carter. So, um, I'm going to talk about why I decided to take it upon myself to graduate you. And, and also, where's my diploma? I'm waiting for that. Well, you may be waiting a month of Sundays. Exclusively here, your place to be, WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. 
the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Yes, I remember the one time I was asked to do a commencement address. It was Ramapo College at the time. I remember Ramapo College. The great Dr. Martin A. Bend used to be the debater on the Metro Media Channel 5 News at Night. And who was on the other side? The Columbia University professor. It was great. I mean, But who was E. Bend against? uh, Uh, Martin A. Bend. No, but who is he against? I I forget the, the Columbia professor. Anyway, it was great every night for a few minutes. But they would say, Professor at Ramapo College. So I gave the commencement address. They say, Curtis, what a great commencement address. Next year, we have achieved university status. We want you back. They lost my number. They must have (laughs) lost my number. Never again have I been invited to a commencement situation of any type. Not even for junior college. Well, you want to know. So my experience, I have done hundreds, maybe a thousand. Mm. Because, and I learned this from Chuck Schumer... I would print up a little cheap eight and a half by eleven uh, uh, award. Any elementary school, even kindergarten schools, high school, whatever it is, and I'd go and present the congressional certificate of merit. You know, because I would get that kind of thing when I graduate. Nothing I actually had to get any grades for. It's like something there. We need someone to fill this seat. And so sometimes I would go to eight or nine of them during graduation season. Not, not give real speeches. As a matter of fact, getting in and out fast was much more important, just as so long as they... Well, your boss at that time, Schumer, always would come in and say, oh, I got to speak first. I'm going to see my daughter play in a very first softball game. Five years later, <laughs> it sort of wore itself out. To Chuck, you've already used that excuse 29 times. But any, I, anyway, I digress. I was so proud yesterday because it was over a year ago that they said to me, hey, would you like to host a talk radio program for an hour with Anthony Weiner? I said, sure. Right before he crashed and burned, he was actually substituting for Ron Kuby for two weeks, did a great job. They were even thinking of taking you on at the old WABC, and then your whole world just exploded. So I said, yeah, he does good talk radio. But at first you were tepid, obviously, the, the weight, the strain of all the public attention for your personal problems was weighing on you. So you very gingerly approached some subjects. And then last Saturday, you finally came into your own. I heard uh, a lot of the old Anthony, but not the bombastic, uh, you know, self-important Anthony who was over the top screaming at Peter King on the floor of the House of Representatives while he was screaming at you. For an hour, you did Trump talk. And it was magnificent because we don't have that here at WABC. Uh, everybody either supports Trump. I've never heard anybody say a positive thing about Joe Biden. Even the so-called common sense Democrats, uh, uh, Judge Weinberg and David Patterson, right? When's the last time you ever heard them say anything positive about Biden? They'll, they'll talk about Adams. Uh, even Kathy Hochul, they won't even say anything positive about. So it's almost like they're dinos, Democrats in name only. It might as well become Republicans, and it's like one big chorus line. That's for me. This is my opinion. Right. I even spoke at a sales meeting here where I was banging my head on the walls like Trump, 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 Trump is God, Biden sucks, and Hunter Biden left cocaine in the White House. And this goes on for days, and that's all I hear. 
And, you know, you want to hear defense of the other side. I mean, it can't be that Donald Trump is perfect. He's God. He's never done anything wrong. We know Biden has had problems. I mean, I don't support Biden. I don't support Trump. I, I want to see debates. I want to see where this process goes. But you are the only person who will actually take people on. And you're a true believer. I can tell in your voice. This is what you truly believe. And it makes for great talk radio because you get both sides. Right. And you're respectful to the Trumpers. So uh, I decided to graduate you uh, after working with you for over a year. And management and ownership decided more than graduate you, give you an extra hour so you could do Trump talk every week, Saturdays from 2 to 3, and then 3 to 4 is a potpourri. And because there's so much news about the mayoralty and Adams and the migrants and crime and everything else, you would have been a much better mayor. Everybody acknowledges that, even your detractors, than Bill de Blasio, who won the election in 2013 because you imploded over the personal issues. And you know where everyone's bones are buried and who buried them. So now you have the two hours. And then they said, would you be willing to come in four to five, do left first, right? I said, absolutely. He's earned the extra hour. And this is good for the station. The second graduation certificate I gave out was to Dominic Carter, who's been at this longer. Uh, he was with us at the old WABC. That's right. I got to tell you, I would go walk into a room with Dominic Carter. And he'd be telling me, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to get this TV gig. And I said, you will never do TV again. Hang it up, Dominic. You're a talk radio show host. He wouldn't listen to me over there. Until finally he came here. New ownership, totally different feeling. They gave Dominic a chance to, to explore, to experiment. I said, Dominic, stop thinking about TV. You'll never be on TV again. Your talk radio show. I listen to you as a host. You got to talk about mental health issues. You wrote a book about this. It impacted your mother. The horrors that you had to go through. And he started to peel away that veneer. And oh my God, some of the best talk radio I've ever heard. The way he relates to transgenders, gays, and lesbians. Extraordinarily unique. He can laugh. He can scream. He can make you cry. He can make you want to choke him. He reminds me in many ways of the black Bob Grant, except he's got his own style. And the ratings for both of you are showing that. See, people say, well, what do ratings show you? Ratings are very important. It's like taking your temperature. Now, when we were kids, we all cheated. Mom would give us a thermometer, <laughs> walk out for a second, and we'd figure out ways to make that thermometer go from 98.6, not to 104, too extreme, right. mom would know you did something, right. like 101.5 if you could get it there. Oh, and I, I feel like I might be getting a throat ache. Okay, you got to stay home today. So I've been taking your temperature. I've been looking at the analytics. The two guys who are moving the fastest now at WABC in your time slots, you and Dominic Carter, because you put the hard work in. You're not repeating every other program. You don't have 50,000 cuts from Fox and Newsmax and every other TV outlet. If I want to hear talk TV, I'll watch talk TV. I don't need to hear it regurgitated on the radio. And so you are doing old-fashioned, old-style radio, talking right to the listeners who then can call you. And I was in a focus group today. There were easily 1,500 folks out in Staten Island, Midland Beach, opposite the Senior Citizen uh, Center, that the city has taken over. They moved out to senior citizens. They're bringing in the migrants. We'll talk about that in the next segment. And these are hardcore Trumpers, many of them. 
who didn't even like me when I ran for mayor, even though they voted for me holding their nose because I'm not a Trumper. <laughs> but they like me. And they were saying, you know, the guy's going on me. The guy's making a lot of points I never thought of. The guy's respectful. You know, it's sort of like Mortal Kombat. You actually get a chance to hear the other side on WABC. But the way it is, you don't run from Biden. You don't run from Harris. You don't run from Mayorkas. You don't run. You don't, you don't call yourself, I'm a common sense Democrat. And then you're really a dino. Democrat in name only, because you sound just like every other Republican here. Now, I don't do Trump talk. I don't do Biden talk, because there's too much of that here at the yeah. station. But what you're doing, nobody else does. So I say do it, do more of it, continue to uh, prosper and talk radio, because this is the thing that is so unique, so intimate, so different than any other form well, of Well, I just want to say, and I said this a little bit during the intro to, to my show today, um, you know, getting an – this started out, left versus right was two hours. Yes. And then after a while, you said go do an hour. It was still called left versus right. And that act of like giving up, like, you know, we it's a zero-sum game. You talk to people around here. It's a zero-sum game. Someone's getting uh, getting ahead. Someone else is pissed off because they didn't get it, whatever. And you not only helped me kind of get my legs under me, but you were really, you know, at the end of the day, I did something that you got to climb into a lion's cage to, to, you need the jaws of life to get an hour away from you on the schedule. Absolutely. It's like walking <laughs> into a cage of hungry Doberman pinchers with pork chop pants on. <laughs> I, I am the Doberman pincher, man. But you were very, but you've been very, and you've always, you know, you give me a lot of, and I, and I said this, the highest compliment that Curtis Lewis can pay you is never going to be something about you that he thinks, like, He'll say that was good radio because what we're here is, is to be honest with you, all we're doing is trying to put on good radio for people. And I appreciate you reinforcing that over and over again. You know, we just had a conversation during the break. Should I get this person on or that person on? You're like, no, you're doing good radio. Don't mess around with it. No, Um, but I don't don't guess. Oh, my God. If I hear any more guests on WABC each day, I'm going to take my head and smash it through the plate glass window. Hey, Gordon Chang, for the 9,852nd time, every program has Gordon Chang. Every program has Dershowitz. Enough already. I want to hear from the callers. I want to hear you. You have insight that Chang doesn't have, that Dershowitz doesn't have, and the callers. In fact, at times, they're better than the guests. But I I just want to just return to the point that I I appreciate you have not only you've now, um, you've written now, you're still on, whatever it is, 51 hours, 61 hours every week. But I really do appreciate for you. And also something else happened is that early on you made an interesting calculation that I think probably you said, let's talk about that this stuff. And then it's done. Like we, we can't, we're not going to every week be no. returning to scandal that you had in 2013 no. or whatever it is. And I always say this on my show. If a caller wants to call up and talk to you about it, I'm open to it. People have a, a right. Some people tune in for the first time and like had an Anthony Weiner get it, And that's happening more because the audience is growing. But you said we're going to do it. You asked me some tough questions. John interviewed me on his show, asked me some tough questions. Anthony. And then, and then we kind of moved on. There are guys who do podcasts and radio now who tried to kill me and killed 20, 30 people. And everybody goes, oh, that's okay. They, they yeah. can teach us a lot about the mob. Guys wanted to kill me. That's what Bo Dito the other night, separate tables. There was a guy there who had a chance to kill me, and he happened to be locked up at the time. 
But in his eyes, it looked like he wanted to kill me. <laughs> but I want to say this final thing. When I listen to you, I listen to Dominic. I'm a listener. Not a talk radio show host. I'm like everybody else out there. And notice, who are the only two to get an extra hour? You on Saturdays and Dominic on Sunday nights. And I hope there are more opportunities, more time to substitute, more time to develop your style. Because you listen to the station. Dominic listens right, to right. the station. A lot of our other hosts. They wouldn't know what the hell was on before them, after them, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because they're too busy watching talk TV. You want to be talk TV? Go live at talk TV. But you're going to have more people listening to you at WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation. And at night, oh, it's a global entity. It's so great to be here. Hey, you like talk TV? You can treat this as a side hustle. Hey. Let the door hit you on your way out. Oofa. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. I'll have my tea with honey right now. Thank you. Thank you. Who's this? Sting? Of course. Of course. An immigrant in police, New York. Police. Police. I thought you were going to do KRS-One Hip Hop Week. Uh, the sound of the police. By the way, I'm surprised we are not doing that. I mean, I did on my show the 50th anniversary of hip hop celebrated oh, yesterday. Oh, I did two hours. Did you? But not hip hop that they would like. Uh, I was dissing hip hop big time. Were you? Oh, big time. We had, I had Peter Rosenberg of Hot 97, and I said, send me some, my friend of his said, send me some songs, because he was up at, at uh, he was up at Yankee Stadium, as part of the big show, but you know, this is the birth of hip-hop in the Bronx 50 Look, years they're ago. They're all Depends now, they're all AARP, they're up there with their walkers, <laughs> their wheelchairs, their canes, so it really is. I got news for you, pal, but that's where our contemporaries are now. Yeah, and you notice there were no problems, because they weren't the drill rappers, the young rappers, they were, they're old. I'm telling you, they're ready for the hip-hop long-term senior citizen home. They got this hip-hop museum in the South Bronx that is getting millions of our money, still hasn't opened. And one thing, Anthony, before we talk about the migrants, uh, none of the big rappers have donated to it, even though it's a 501c3. So you got to ask yourself, Jay-Z's a billionaire legitimately, Puff Daddy almost, and Nas, uh, he's close. None of them have made a 501c3 donation because they know the guys who are running it and they know the members on the board, and it would be so easy to write a check and get a tax deduction. By the way, I, apparently Herc is talking about running for a public advocate. Well, I mean, these these guys are now becoming civic players. They're the elder statesmen. Go ahead, knock yourselves out. <laughs> By the way, uh, migrant issue. WABC was the most of the reason that we had 1,500 people turn out at Midland Beach at 1030 this morning across the street from a senior citizen home that had been cleared out in the last month of senior citizens living there, the last one being a 95-year-old woman, a widow. Um, 
Vito Fasella did a magnificent job, Earl President, coming on with John and Rita about twice, three times this week. So he slept all the way in, and they gave him the time to promote the rally. And you could see Vito got one of them. I was here. He was almost tears in his eyes. I, yeah. I can't believe this. And he kept talking about this 95-year-old woman. How could you kick her out into the streets? Yeah. It's like almost what we talked about at the start. Irma from Finland living in the Upper East Side with nowhere to go, nowhere to live. Our own. They live here, our own. Yeah. So 1,500 people, most of them WABC listeners, because Sid has talked about it in the morning. I've talked about it around the clock. Vito Fisella came on, talked about and, it. And, with no, one else, and no one else really is. You know, I listen to NPR, like, a lot. And they, they have not talked about kind of the community side of this at all. No. And so it was great because there were some moderate Democrats there. And normally they would not want to come to a rally like this because they would think it's a Trump rally. But you see, people don't realize about Staten Island. Most that, yeah. of the registered voters are Democrats. But also the the difference between Republican elected officials and Democrat electors is not very much on the island. That's why there's so many kind of they get along pretty well because there's not a lot of daylight philosophically well, between them. Well, unfortunately, none of the elected Democrats decided to show up because they don't want to offend Adams, they don't want to offend Hochul, and they don't want to offend the leader of their party, President Joe Biden. But you see, that was different than last Sunday in Sunset Park, which is a stronghold of the socialists. They welcome the migrants. They had 40. We had 500 immigrant Chinese, all of them legitimately immigrant. There was the woman who was running for city council who's the Democrat. What, on Staten Island? No, no. Sunset Park in Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. Democrats came together with Republicans. They're common issues. Creedmoor, you saw the other night, we had 4,000. They were mostly Democrats, co-op owners. You don't talk party labels. You just talk. Also, Central Queens, Bay Ridge, the Democrats in those, you know, I always try to, when, when people say, oh, you know, you sound like you make some sense, you... Is that the these are the communities I represent as a Democrat. So when people outside of New York City think about New York Democrats, they don't realize we have about we have a fairly moderate streak in our in our day. That's why Democratic primaries produce more moderate candidates. Usually Eric Adams. I was doing very well till my thing fell apart. Ed Koch. That's right. Even Bloomberg, to the extent that he was a Democrat, ran as kind of a moderate voice. So I that 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 definitely is with. And that's why the center of gravity in this city is not that's what the socialists are not never going to have a toehold that's much more beyond the 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 young the young voters and the moderate democrats cannot be afraid of them in primaries that's the problem they're afraid that they're going to get out there vote in a primary and beat them because as you know you see a lot of the moderate democratic uh, clubs they get you'll be lucky if you get 12 people to a meeting the socialists are smart they're young they go out, they go door knocking, and then they socialize all night to the break of dawn. They hook up, they're at bars, they're doing what young people do. So you come not just to do politics, you come to meet people, you socialize, you may go home, you may get lucky that night, you want to come back again. Well, the, and something else, and I and I heard Bodie along with Sid this week, you know, we got to get rid of the city council, so few people vote. He's right about one element, he can't get rid of the city council, that's a little silly. But, you know, the 5% number that he quoted on the radio this week is not 5%. It's 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 the idea that primaries choose most of the eventual winners. So even in a general election where you stood for election, really, the die gets cast in the city council long before the general election. And what winds up happening is that if you are a socialist that can generate 
800, 900 young 25 and under kind of voters, you're 90% of the way to winning a primary, especially in ranked yes. choice voting. Yes. So what that also means is on the other side, if you get 600 or 700 moderate families, couples, grandparents, and you're, you can win those primaries. I don't think the socialists, the, the left of the party necessarily is going to win all of these primaries. No, but you gotta, you gotta run against them and you gotta be aggressive. So this was the, the, the focus group that I did. Incredible numbers of people listening to sit in the morning. That's I another mean, guy whose numbers are going up. No, I mean, Sky, I mean, almost everybody there listens to Sid. That's why I make sure that I'm on each morning at 7.05. I'm not stupid. My 10 minutes with Sid in the morning is worth more than my 50 hours of broadcasting. <laughs> at, more people hear me there. Right, right. And I've been able to get the message out about these rallies and the migrant situation. Most of those people who showed up at that rally today heard me announce it on Sid. And Sid was kind enough to let me take up some of his talk time to promote it, because he also, he's in that same situation. Not only did the situation come down to um, the senior citizen home being cleaned out, but you know the emissary, Perez, who was sent by Joe Biden to meet with both Eric Adams yesterday and Kathy Hochul. No, no Mayorkas came himself, no, didn't he? Perez, oh, the former oh, DNC. Oh, the former chairman. DNC, that's right, that's right. You yeah. know what the reason for the visit was. So the feds would turn over Fort Wadsworth, the oldest active fort in America, right before the Verrazano Bridge. They're going to move migrants in there now. And Floyd Benefield. Remember before I had said... They're doing the specs at Floyd Bennett Field and Ariola out there was screaming, You're, you don't know nothing about nothing. Now they've gotten the green light. Hochul even put it in a press release. Thank you, Mr. Perez, for allowing us to use Floyd Bennett Field. And they are doing what they say. People may have to listen to the mayor. He says, everything is on the table. We are going to push the migrants into every neighborhood. Now, what he really has to do if he really wants to prove that it's every neighborhood, Central Park. Central Park. Those are his donors on both sides. Those are the wealthy and rich. And look, remember in the middle of COVID, Billy Graham's son brought in tents outside of Mount Sinai. A lot of people oppose because, you know, they say, oh, they're homophobes, they're sexist, misogynists, they're xenophobes. But we desperately needed his help. And his volunteers and his medical personnel were great. You know, people were housed it. You can put tents up right there. Well, look, there's a couple of, couple of things here. You know, one. Come on, let's uh, agree with me, Wiener. Put I, the I, tents in Central well, Park. Well, I got, I got one better. There were signs up at the rally that you attended in Staten Island of some people have said, you know, any room at Gracie Mansion. Yes. I have said what they should do is take one of those special event tents that they have there waiting to be erected at a moment's notice because they do all kinds of special events there for different ethnicities, different people that they honor, whatever it is. Take one of those tents and literally put it in Gracie Mansion. You don't need to, you know, I know the security thing. You can have a gate that goes into Colshurst Park or whatever it is. The pure symbolism of, yes. okay, I got it. We have a kitchen right there at Gracie Mansion that's used to serving a lot of people. We have, you can put up porta potties, whatever it is. The problem with some of these things is I don't think you're legally allowed, and I have some expertise around um, Floyd Bennett Field because, you know, I, I well, I was the congressman. I represented that area, and we... We put up that aviator ice rink thing and everything else, and we had to navigate the federal law, which you can and can't do in a in a uh, a federal park. And one of the things that when Floyd Bennett Field, which used to be a civil airfield, 
was handed over to the federal government, there are things in it that you're not allowed to do. You can't just line up homeless people or anybody and use it for social ser- social services. So they're going to have a tough time doing it. Now, Joanna Ariola is wrong, though, if she thinks that she can just say ain't going to happen and walk away. No, everything's on because the Because someone is going to have to, even if they put them in there just while the lawsuit is commencing and, and the federal government agrees not to stop them and let someone privately sue to get them out of there, it's, it's still – but I think, I think Central Park should be on – I think the symbolic things, people sometimes say that's symbolic as an insult. No, symbolic is one of the ways you govern. You do little symbolic things like putting it at Gracie Mansion and someone says, you know, are you doing your part? Yeah, I am. Look, this week, Lady Gaga's daddy, who is the president of his co-op board on 70th Street, West 70th Street, right in the shadow of Lincoln Center. He owns Trattoria. I think it's, um, I forget the first name of it. Joey and yeah, Trotteria. You, you, you've been butchering his name all week, but yeah. <laughs> very, very famous uh, yeah, yeah. restaurant. Uh, he was screaming. Hey, come out 10 o'clock at night, the migrants are racing up and down in the moped e-bikes. He's saying, where are they getting them? People can't sleep. He's a liberal. I don't think they're the migrants in the e-bikes. No, they are. I know you said you saw them lined up, or what they're, they're doing delivery work for like the pot business the weed and stores, stuff like yeah, that. That's, yeah. uh, they go in. I'll tell you how the Venezuelans, they're good. They're good hustlers. They see all these weed shops. We're now up to 2,000. What happened to the sheriff padlocking all these illegal weed shops? I'm with you, pal. I'm with you. So the Venezuelans who speak Spanish, a lot of the people working these stores speak Spanish, they go in and say, hey, you need someone to deliver weed. They say, yeah. And as soon as one person does it, then all the other weed shops have to do it. And they say, hey, how about layaway? We buy a bike. Right, and then we pay you. We kick you back a percentage. Or it's like Uber used to do where they let you... Lease one. Yes. If you then join their thing, I bet you they're 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 delivering for the. I'm um, telling you, for the Venezuelans like are business oriented. Before they elected um, uh, Chavez, Hugo Chavez, and then the bus driver Maduro from uh, uh, Caracas, they were the most industrious uh, country in all of South America. But anyway, up next, huge rally today, Midland Beach. But I think you had more people in Ferry Hawk Station last night for the. Ferry Hawks, Staten Island Ferry Hawks against, what was that, Savannah, ba- Savannah Bananarama? Bananas. Is that Savannah Bananarama? <laughs> that's, that's the place was packed. I saw the pictures. It was, it was full. Standing room only. I got, it was quite an experience. I'll and tell I you all about it. And I that Jordan and Anthony were there. Jordan and Anthony were there. The, the, the next generation of left versus right. What the hell would fill up? I'll explain it to you. It, it was pretty amazing. I thought maybe it was Bruce. Or... Well, you kidding? And the kids stayed there to the end, and they were, and yeah, it was it was it was quite a show, man. It was quite a show. I'll explain it to you. Savannah Bananas. If you Google it right now, you'll see they got four million followers on TikTok. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. So what 
was up with the Bananarama game last night. So, you know, Staten Island Ferry Hawks are great. It's a fun time. Minor League Baseball is great. John Katsimatidis owns the place, owns the Ferry Hawks. They're fun. But the Savannah Bananas are as if you took a big whiteboard and you said, let's think of all the ways to make baseball more fun. They, the players all wear weird outfits, weird hats. They pitch really fast. They have a two-hour limit on how much um, they're going to play. They're going to get to nine innings to do it. They have all kinds of stunts and dancing, music nonstop throughout, and they just move it along. Constantly some entertainment. It's like the circus, like watching the circus. Would it be like the equivalent of the Harlem Globetrotters Perfect playing analogy. baseball? Perfect analogy, except Jordan had never heard of the Harlem Globetrotters when yeah. I used that analogy. He had heard of these guys. They have a huge following online. It's very wholesome fun. A lot of the parents have fun because it's a bunch of 80s music playing along. Uh, Jordan got a Savannah banana. Everything is in yellow, and the place was full. I mean, it's one of the. It's a good reminder. There's a whole world out there that your son Anthony and my son Jordan are hip to because they're on social media and they know the TikTok this and 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 the threads that. And it was a lot of fun. Jordan had a ball, and I I I overheard Anthony and uh, Jordan talking about the next generation podcast that they're going to have. What? Uh, yeah, because our jobs are not safe, my brother. No, they're not. They're not. You know, my, my son at a very early age said, one day, Dad, I'm going to be talking on your microphone. I said, yeah, you know, at any day, I can walk out this door. I got so many enemies. That could actually happen. But, no, that would be good. That would be good. When they offered me an opportunity to go, I said, I pass. I couldn't imagine Bananarama playing baseball. But all I heard today, there were some people at the protests in Midland Beach uh, against the migrants moving into the senior citizen center who were there last night. said, oh, Curtis, you missed it. it for, not only was it sold out, but it's general admission. People were lining up at 5 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. Like, people were really into it. And the thing is about it, it's they identified everything you and I both know are boring about baseball. Yeah, I mean, whatever purist you are, they got music nonstop. The pitches are fast. They don't go front. They make trick plays out in the ball field. It was a lot of fun, and and Jordan, and it was fun for for Jordan. It was fun for me. And not once did any of the kids leave. Did they, they, were, play, they, were did they play Pepper on the sidelines like they used to when I was a kid? That's right. All, all I remember, I learned about Pepper by the sign at Yankee That's right. No Pepper. No Pepper games. I asked my dad, "What the hell is that?" Exactly. No Pepper. What? Only salt? No Pepper? I mean, oh wow, this sounds exciting. You know, we're trying to reconnect baseball with this new generation that doesn't seem to be interested in baseball like our generation was. Maybe you need a Harlem Globetrotters playing baseball. And another thing about this team, they could beat the Yankees and the Mets tomorrow without a brick and a sweat. I believe that.